I'm Kevin. I'm one of the elders. And uh, today's really a good day for me. Uh, yesterday was an even better day. Yesterday was my anniversary yeah. <laughs> uh, of marriage. It's my wife and I's anniversary is our 17th anniversary. We've been married 17 years. So, um, and today um, is actually a day we're going we're gonna to be celebrating today, uh, that anniversary. And, and, and I was thinking, um, this, I've got this here. This is not an accident. It's here for a reason. But um, I was just thinking back. When, when I met my wife, um, I still had in my, in my backyard, I say my backyard, I mean my mom's backyard, um, a, uh, a skateboard ramp. The big uh, ramp. And now skateboard ramps are, you've probably heard them before, uh, uh, heard the word before, but it's called a half pipe. You know, I guess the idea is that it's like half a pipe, sort of. Uh, it's kind of like that. And I, had, I still had it there. We had built it in, a, in, a, in another house, my brother and I, at another house we had lived in. And when we moved, you know, we had to take the ramp with us because it was just that important. So uh, we, we, would, we would carefully disassemble the ramp and, and transport it, put it on its own trailer. We'd have to take it apart. And then we would re, we reconstruct it at the new house. So, and, and even though I, you know, I was older, uh, by that time I was, uh, you know, 21, I think, still had it out there in, in my mom's backyard. And my brother, he still used it. He, he's younger than I am. And, uh, but I was still kind of tinkering around on it, you know, still thinking I, I could, I, you know, do it every now and then, you know. I just didn't want to let go of that, that part of my life. That was just... It was just su- such a, a joy to me, you know, skateboarding. Um, and, and see, there's, there's different kinds of skateboarding, right? Um, there's, there's the street skating. That's where you're, you, you know, they, that's what they, we called it back then. It's kind of a long time ago. But, but, but you would just ride around on the street and you're like, you know, you've seen kids do this. And you ollie over things. And, and, and that's always the thing. Can you ollie? Can you ollie? That's always the question you get. Can you ollie? So that's like, you know, to, to catch a little air. Some of you who don't know a lot about skateboarding, um, I will educate you. And Ollie, that's where you, you kick the, the board, you drag with, with the friction of your foot, you know, and you jump at the same time. It lifts the board up off of the ground. And you can jump onto things, off of things, over things. And, you know, the better you are, the, the higher the thing you can jump over and so on. And that, that's something you, you do on the street, you know, and, and just ride down rails, you know, like on the side of a, a staircase outside of a building, you know, things like that. That was street skating. Um, and I did a little of that. But what I really, really loved was uh, ramp riding. I liked riding my skateboard on a ramp, on a half pipe. It's really, really different uh, to ride on a ramp. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a totally different um, dynamic that's happening there. Um, and, and what we would do is, is we would we would try to, we try to find the biggest ramp in town and uh, the tallest, and we, and we would conquer it, basically. We would go, uh, and, and I say we because we it was always a we. There was always someone with us. I mean, we, would, we always went around in, in little bands, you know, being, you know, being skaters and, and looking like skaters and having our skateboards. And we would show up at someone's house who had a ramp. And, and skateboard etiquette said that you didn't have to call ahead and ask for permission to ride the ramp. There's etiquette. There's very, a very intricate system of etiquette, like golf, like tennis, and skateboarding. And part of that etiquette is, you can't really tell me I can't ride your ramp. As long as it's not in the middle of the night, or I'm not tearing it up, you can't, set, you can't send me away. That's just not, it's not good etiquette. And some guys would, would breach that etiquette. Uh, and then of course the reputation would be ruined, you know, and, and if you ever built a ramp, forget about it. Don't let that guy, cause he wouldn't let us ride his ramp. So, and so you would show up, but you also, you, you couldn't, it wasn't really a free ride. You needed to donate a little bit of money, like a dollar or so. And, uh, so that you can, you, you know, they can resurface the ramp and, and, and get it if there's damage. Uh, and so you would kind of, there'd be, a, there'd be a, a, a hat or some bag or something. You'd just like, you'd drop a dollar or something in there. Uh, and, and then if you didn't, that, you, you know, 
you could be blackballed. That would, that's not good. You don't, you need to, you need to drop a little, little money in the, in the, in the hat, so to speak. And so we, we found this guy um, that had a really, really, really big ramp, um, 12 feet high, maybe. And, and, and it was called a vert ramp, okay? Um, and, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. It was bigger than his house, this ramp was. Well, his house wasn't very big. <laughs> he had like a little two-room shack. But still, it was bigger than his house. It was a big, tall ramp. And, and it, has, it has a vert. It's short for vertical. Cool, huh? Wait, skateboarders make up their own words. And, uh, and that just means it had a foot and a half to two feet near the top of the ramp that was just vertical. And then it had a flat, 12 feet or so at the bottom. And, and a, something somewhere around an 8 foot to 10 foot radius sort of transition that would go up to the vert. And that was called a vert ramp. And this guy had built it. He was a, he was a framer. This is out in West Texas where I grew up. Not the town West Texas. That, there is one. It, it was Lubbock, Texas. Um, and, and, it, and I grew up there and, and, and it was out there in, in, the, in the dust and the wind and you know, skateboarding was, you learn to, to just get used to the taste of dirt. And it was always in our teeth. And, and so we would go to this guy's house. He had built, he had, he had procured some wood. He was a framer. I, you know, I, I'm not accusing, I'm just saying. He, he, he came upon some wood, anyway. And, uh, and he built this giant ramp. It was re- really well done. So we, want, we wanted to ride it. Now this guy was older than we were. And so he sort of looked like a rock star slash hippie skater. He, I think in his heyday, he was probably wearing the real short 70s shorts and the tube socks with stripes riding the, the long boards downhill or whatever. He was older. But he still wanted to be a part of the skate community. So what he would do is he would sit out on the side of the ramp and he would watch guys skate. We would wake him up at the crack of 2 p.m. And he would come out of his house, sunglasses on, hair covering most of his face. And, and he would sit in the chair and wake up. And he would watch us. And he was kind of like the wise old skater. He had that voice that no matter what he said sounded wise. You ever known someone like that? It doesn't matter what they say, it just sounds wise, (laughs) you know? Try it again. Don't let the ramp defeat you. Yes, he's so wise. (laughs) Maybe get back up there and do it again. Let's look at Ephesians. This is called dropping in. That's what I call this sermon. I'll explain that in a minute. Uh, but this is, uh, there are two scriptures that are going to um, fuel us at looking at what God actually says about marriage and specifically women's roles, uh, a woman's role in marriage. Okay, and we're, we're still on vintage marriage. Uh, and, and it is getting, um, it's, it's, it's awesome. I mean, if you have, if you have heard uh, Luke preach the last two or three, <laughs> it's so good, I'm losing track, uh, sermons, um, they're excellent. And if you haven't, please listen to it. Just get online and listen to it. Get on the website, or, and it's on iTunes. They're really, really good. Last week was, was challenging. The week before that was challenging. They're challenging me. We're still on this. But what we're really wanting to do is find out what God says about marriage. And so Ephesians 5, 22 through 24 is one of those scriptures that's going to help us do that. And as Luke has been saying week after week, it's really going to help us see Jesus more clearly. And we're repeating that. We're saying that in the same way so that we can really get that uh, kind of hammered into our, our hearts so that we, we really understand that, that if we don't understand who Jesus is, we don't see him clearly, we're not going to see marriage clearly. We're not going to see anything clearly, especially not our marriages. So I'm going to read Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. 
Wives, submit to your, your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Submit. Um, so, we're going to talk about what that means. Words are important. Words are really important. We're, we're, we're losing, a lot, and I sound like an old man. Right? I was a kid. We loved words, you know. But, but in our culture, we really are losing our love for words, and, and, and so we're using less and less of them and, and learning fewer and fewer of them. And, and so it, it really it hurts us when we get into the Word of God and, and, and we... We just, we overgeneralize, and we don't really take a lot of time to find out what words mean uh, and what we're, what we're really talking about. We just throw them around. Uh, we don't even finish writing them in our text and things like that. We misspell them. I misspelled gnarly when I was joking around with uh, Luke, and he immediately corrected me on that. I know how to spell it now. Uh, but, but, we, but we really want to think about Submit. And what that means, submission. So, dropping in. That's what I'm calling today, dropping in. Some of you are getting really nervous. Got this skateboard here. Now, uh, nowadays, the skateboards look the same on both ends. That sounds so old. But one's supposed to be like a tail and one's the nose. But I guess you can flip this around and do either way. But dropping in is what you do when you go into the ramp for the first initially, right? So you can, you can, the, the half pipe, you can go back and forth, you can kind of pump uh, your, you know, your legs and get, you like that? <laughs> Dance it. Um, but, and you can work your way up, but it, you can't really get the momentum you can if you drop in. But this is what dropping in really is. You, you're up at the top. I want you to imagine this. Just thinking about it actually puts butterflies in my stomach. But you're standing at the top. You're 12 feet up off the ground. You see rooftops. I see cars driving by on slide road. There's the sky is light blue up here, brown near the horizon. Okay, I'm up here. That's how it is in West Texas almost every day. So... Um, you put, the, you put the board here. Now, see how my body is, you're probably getting nervous about how my body is extending out over here. That's what you're doing, only it's a lot further down. Because you've got two and a half feet of vertical, you know, surface. And then more of the transition, which is like, a, like I said, an eight or ten foot radius. So it is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a waist down there. And you can't really see this. Because there's a big pipe that you... Called a lip that's that's kind of protruding a couple inches out. So you're putting your board down, and you've got wheels normally, and and you put your foot here, and then your board is out like this, right? And then <laughs> this is making me nervous. You put your foot whenever you're ready, and this is this ha this is what my first time of dropping in. This is what I did for about 15 minutes, <laughs> you know. I put my foot out. Because <laughs> the next step is to, you press the front wheels down into right into the ramp. And it goes one of two ways. You either are still on the board on the other side or you're not. And, and the thing is, had I never seen anyone slam, I would probably have been a lot more willing to jump up there and do it. But I had seen a lot of slams. That's, that's what they call it. It's a slam. And I mean, it's called that for a reason. <laughs> you learn later how to fall well. There's an art to that. If you don't learn that art, you will get hurt. But at first you don't know it, so you slam into the bottom if you don't make it. So we would go uh, to this ramp, but our first time, it was drop-in day. We had never done it before. I'd never ridden a ramp that large before. My friend tried it first. It was a miserable failure. Now, he, he had 
uh, a desire for skateboarding. He had um, the lack of fear and bravery that's required. He did not have coordination or balance. So when he dropped in, it looked like, you know, a scarecrow up there, and he just tilts over. No bending of the knees, no, you know, ma- you know making up for correct- correcting by leaning forward a little because you are going to be going fast. And so he slams hard. And then the guy on the side's like, try it again. Don't let the ramp defeat you, man. You know, if you leave here today, you'll never drop in. You know, it's like that. He sounded like Bob Dylan. I don't know. But then sometimes he would make it. He finally did get one. And he would go in, and you'd think, he's got it. And then, wow, he slams against the other side. Because there is the other side you have to contend with. Going in the first side is not all there is to it. So you're probably going, I thought you were talking about marriage, Kevin. Now you're talking about skateboarding. I want to look at Genesis, and here's why. Uh, If you want to talk about marriage and you want to see Jesus more clearly, you want to see the gospel more clearly, you really need to look at Genesis. If you don't understand Genesis, it's going to be really hard actually to read your Bible, period. And to understand marriage, you um, you can't skip that. You've really got to look at that. It's not mundane. It's not routine. It's not every day. There's stuff in there you, you may not have noticed. I want to read Genesis 2, uh, 20 through 25. And, and this is the second scripture that's really going to uh, be the fuel through this. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a a helper fit for him. I don't know why I thought someone was back there. That's weird. I think I'm ringing. I do that sometimes. I'm going to, I want to start again. I want to get this uh, all, all in one so we can understand. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then he said, I mean, then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother... And hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked. Or if you're from West Texas, naked. And were not ashamed. They were not ashamed. So, now, you probably noticed uh, I'm not a woman, I'm a man. If you didn't, I'm going to beat you up. Yeah, that's what I thought. No. Uh, you don't want any of this art teacher. Yeah. Um, this is where I'm supposed to, because I'm a man, I'm supposed to apologize. This is where I'm supposed to take, uh, it's probably, I was always actually supposed to do it earlier. I was supposed to apologize for teaching on this subject. I'm supposed to, to apologize for talking about submission and headship in marriage and for calling a woman a helper and for looking at what the Bible says about submitting to her husband. That's what I'm supposed to do. But I can't do that. I can't do that because, for one thing, I would be a hypocrite because I, never, I haven't always been for it. I didn't always think it was a good idea. I guess I thought I was smarter than God, but I, I didn't think it was, it was, it was great. I thought it was old and antiquated idea that was rooted really in, in just the culture of the time, especially when Paul talks about it, when he says, wives, submit to your husbands. And here's the thing. I didn't want to be, 
I don't want to take responsibility and be the kind of husband that a, that a wife would even want to submit to. So going back to what Luke preached on, I didn't want that responsibility. I was a young man, and uh, so I enjoyed, you know, skirting responsibility as much as possible. That was kind of my part-time job, how to get by with as little work as possible and, and still somehow get married. But when I met Rebecca, the discipleship began. You know, we always hear, you know, wives and husbands, well, we don't always hear, but we should hear. Part of being married, is, as Luke has pointed out, is sanctification and, and being transformed more and more into Jesus' likeness. So that began even before we were married. Because all of a sudden, I wanted to be a little bit less of a loser. Just because I wanted to be the kind of guy she might marry. And I'm not just, I'm really not exaggerating trying to degrade myself, but I, I was a loser. I was. So by God's grace, Rebecca comes along. She knows I'm a loser too. I mean, was. <laughs> I'm not now. Uh, <clears throat> but she loved me anyway. So immediately, she starts showing me a picture of the gospel. Immediately. And I begin to want to be uh, a guy, a little less loserly, and someone that Rebecca would want to marry. Now, I hadn't really, I hadn't studied anything about how roles in marriage and everything, but that's where it started. That's where God began to really change me in that area. Because before, I just thought, I'm going to get married uh, to a girl. It'll be like living with a roommate. It'll be really cool, except she's a woman. So we'll get to sleep together. That's awesome. And then, you know, but we'll be best friends. And, and that, that's where it stopped. That's, I didn't want anything else. That was more than that takes a lot of responsibility. I didn't want that. So because I used to feel that way, I can't, and now God is changing, changing me and has changed me. I, I can't apologize for that. Apologize for what God's done in my life and the way that he's... Uh, brought my wife and I closer all these uh, 17 years so far, I'm not going to apologize for that. And I'm, and I'm also not going to apologize for what the Bible says and act like it's something less than what it is. True and good. It's God's grace to us. It's his goodness to us. It's his kindness to us. But when we talk about submission... There's been a lot of slams. So I can understand. I can understand why a woman would look at that with apprehension. Because they've seen bad drop-ins. They've seen slams at the, at the flat of the ramp. They've seen people take the initial, you know, kind of drop-in... And then not make it to the other side. They've seen disaster. And so there's apprehension. And there's a little, there's, there's temptation for fear there. When you, uh, w when a person drops in to a ramp, this is how it's different from street skating. You are submitting to something larger than you. Are you saying my husband's larger than you? No, I'm not talking about your husband. I'm talking about God. What you're doing is you're saying, this is not my world, and I'm not God. Because we're all born... And, it's, and this is why Genesis is important. We're all born because of our father, Adam, really believing, I'm God, and this is my world. That's what we think. I mean, we, we, we won't say that, but that's, that's functionally. I mean, just look at how we live and the, and the, and the things, thoughts we think and, and what we do. This is what we believe. And then, uh, and even in relationships with other people, we're willing to share that a little bit. Well, okay, I'll let you be God too, but just don't, 
infringe on my godness because then now you're back to, well, it's my world and I'm God. But when, when you submit to something larger than you, you can't say that anymore. Uh, when you drop into the ramp, you relinquish some control to some things. And you hand that control over to its rightful owner. For instance, gravity. You are, you're submitting to gravity. When you drop in, gravity is going to pull you down. Now, there's a centrifugal force. You're submitting to that as well. You're submitting to uh, all kinds of laws of physics. The ramp is certainly bigger than you are, but it's not just the ramp that's bigger than you are. It's all these laws that are bigger than you are, and they're things you can't change. They just simply are. And so, to, so riding the ramp is, is a process of submission at many different levels. At the level of the thing that keeps you on the board, the transcendental force that keeps you on. Gravity, so that you don't float away. You go in a, a specific direction. You have a momentum, balance is involved. And even the surface of the ramp really, really matters. The, uh, the, the size of the radius of the, of the transition, because it's really just part of a circle there, that, that matters. How long the flat is, how tall the vertical part is, all of those things come into play. You don't control those things when you ride the ramp. You just don't. So I want to talk about the different levels of submission. And this is what I was talking about with words. Words are important. Now, we use the word submit, but we, we have failed a lot of times in our teaching to make some distinctions about the different levels of submission. And, and, I, and that causes a lot of, of slams. It causes a lot of misunderstandings of the gospel. It causes a lot of misunderstanding of who Jesus is. So I want to read, uh, there's actually different levels, like I said, and I'd like to read uh, verse 24 um, in Ephesians 5, if it's possible to, if, if that's on there. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, is that 24? All right. All right. The church submits to Christ as a response to the gospel. Let me read this. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And what I'm looking at right here is where it says, now the church submits to Christ. So the church, that's one level of submission. The church submits to Jesus. The, the, the church is, when it says the church, it means the people, the living stones that God is building. That's what the church is, right? So don't think institution, think God's people, the people he's been gathering from the very beginning, Starting in Genesis, starting immediately, even he had it in mind before the fall, but even after the fall, immediately God begins pursuing them and bringing people to himself. That's what the church is. It's a natural outworking. What we have now is a natural outworking of that very thing that started right there in Genesis. So don't, don't think institution, the church submits to Christ institutionally. Think people, because that's what the church is. So, ladies, your husband is not Jesus to you. Now, now it's kind of, you have to think about that for a minute, because a lot of times what we'll say is we'll throw this around, we'll say, well, well, I just need to be Jesus to that person. And I understand the sentiment behind that. I get that. But we might, if we don't really think about it, we don't really uh, pay attention, what, what we'll do is we'll start thinking, uh, ladies, we'll start thinking your husband is Jesus to you. But he's not. Jesus is Jesus to you. And he's Jesus to your husband. And your husband is your husband. He's not Jesus to you. Because the church submits to Christ. 
Christ is the king. Your husband isn't the king. You're the queen, but he's not the king. Now, uh, what, what this is, though, when the church submits to Christ, uh, Paul's already mentioned, and, and Luke did a great job of talking about this, but it's the great marriage. It really is a picture of the gospel, okay? So uh, the church submits to Christ. That's the first level of submission, or it's, it's, a, it's, the, it's a foundational level that you must understand if you're going to understand the gospel. Because, because Jesus was able to do that, that lays a foundation for us to be able to do it to even be able to submit to Christ. Because Jesus submitted to God, his Father, perfectly in everything, in everything, in every way. He didn't do anything unless his Father told him. He even said in the garden, it's your will, not mine. He submitted all the way to death, and it was God's will that, that, that he died. And he was crucified, and he submitted to that willfully. He, God, Jesus submitted to his father, and then God proved he's in control by raising him from the dead, and because of that, that same power that raised Jesus up from the dead now dwells in us. That's what the Bible says. So now we can submit to Christ. That's how that works. So don't start thinking your submission is, some, is a work that you, that you can earn anything with. Being a good submissive wife is not going to get you into to heaven. It's not going to get, it's not going to save you at all. Submission to Christ, your trust in him, he's your rescuer, that's your salvation. That's the gospel. You have to know that first. So husbands and wives do that equally because we know, uh, we've learned that they were created equal, completely equal, and uh, in God's image. So if you really want to know what God looks like, you have, to have, you have to look at man, you have to look at woman. You have to, because they're both made in God's image. You can't just look at one, you have to see them both, because they're different. You've probably noticed. Now, uh, the thing is, uh, if, you, if you're not a Christian, I mean, you might be here, or you might be listening, and you're not, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about rescued, saved. I, I don't understand. Put all your trust. I, that's not me. I haven't done that. Well, then this submission thing isn't going to really make a whole lot of sense. You're actually not able to submit uh, because you're a slave to sin. That's what the Bible says. You can't submit. You just can't. You don't know how. You don't have that indwelling spirit. And, and so what Jesus does is he rescues you. you. You get that spirit in you. The spirit of Christ is in you. And then you have the power, the same power that raised him from the dead. Now you can submit to Christ. So really, uh, when you're doing that, you're submitting to God's design. It's impossible to submit to Christ without submitting to his design. And his design is, to hold, is spelled out for us in Genesis. So I'd like to go back to Genesis real quick and just look at that. I don't want to rush through that. I want to look at that again. Genesis. Um, I just want to look at um, verse 20. Just, just verse 20. Uh, the... The man gave names to all the livestock. Now, you can't miss this. This is, this is by God's design. It's not arbitrary and it's not random. Uh, he, he had the man doing some things, like giving names to animals. and um, He had given him a, a sort of charge that that's what he would do, that he would name things, he would organize things. He would, uh, he would bring order to those things. Again, a little picture of the gospel. Uh, and, and then it says, but, there, but for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. And so God's design was that he would create a helper fit for him. So that's God's design. Now, helper, I, I thought that there might be uh, some, you know, kind of uh, real, 
mystical or mysterious kind of, what does helper mean? I mean, I've, and I read a lot of, of, of things people have written about helper and what it means and help, and it, well, it means this, and, and sort of like to uncover the mystery. But basically when it comes down to it, helper means a person who helps. It's a helper. That's what a helper is. It's a pretty easy thing. It's a spiritual gift mentioned in the, in the New Testament. Uh, God is called a helper. Holy Spirit is called a helper. So a helper is a good, but, but it's, it's someone who helps. Now, the, the second layer of submission is we submit to each other. Uh, we submit to each other. And let me read Ephesians 5.21 so that we make sure that we're, we're sticking with the text here. It says, Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, so that means, one, that means submitting to one another. So that means there's some level uh, that Rebecca and I submit to each other simply because we're both uh, disciples of Jesus and, uh, and we're both called to submit to him and we're called, it says, submitting to one another. So, so there's certain kind, and, and that, that could work out in a lot of different ways. I mean, submitting to one another for re- out of reverence for Christ is, it means as a response to the gospel, and out of, out of love and reverence for Jesus, we submit to each other, especially in the areas of encur- uh, encouraging, admonishing, and warning each other uh, to believe the gospel more. So, uh, Rebecca, part of, her, part of my submission to her is to listen to her when she's talking to me about those things. When she's saying, Kevin, I'm, I'm seeing that you're having a hard time you're worried and anxious. You're not believing. God, who's, who are you believing right now? Are you believing a lie? I want you, Kevin, to pray with me right now. I want, I, let's, let's, let's look at the Word of God. Okay, I want to submit to that. Kevin, I think that you, 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 you know, my part of my calling, Kevin, is to be... Uh, a mother, and, and, and part of being a mother is taking care of my children, and here's what I want to do that I think will be really good for our kids. Yeah, but it wasn't my idea first. No. Part of my headship is, is I release her to do that. Yeah, I, 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 I want to submit that, to that idea. I want to submit to, to, to that. I, I want to allow you to have that role. We're submit, you submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, and, and it's kind of like, it, if you've read Song of Solomon, you, you probably realize that he actually calls his wife, his sister, his bride a lot. And that's really cool because that, that really describes one of the levels of relationships that you have with your wife and your husband, and that is that you are brother and sister in Christ. That's what you are. Now, I don't like take the analogy so far and get weird with it, like brothers, brother and sister in Christ. That's who, that's who your husband is, your brother in Christ, and you are his sister. And there's, so there's that level of friendship and partnership in submission to Christ. But, and that's a big but, bigger than mine. No one laughed. Okay. If you're listening to the recording, people are laughing. Uh, <laughs> that's where we stop a lot. It's, it's an it's a easy place to stop. It's real tempting uh, to stop there. I wanted to. When I was young and I, and, and I was thinking of getting married and, and, and I wanted Rebecca to be my wife, that is where I wanted to stop. I wanted to stop there. I wanted to stop at the friendship part. I thought that was cool. I wanted to stop at the mutual, especially when I, you know, God was, was really wooing me and he was using her to do it. I, that was exciting, submitting to Christ with her as a partner. Man, I wanted to do that. 
But I really didn't want to do that last part. Wives submit to their husbands. I didn't want her to do that. Isn't that weird? See, a lot of times, when, I, think, I think we assume men want that. Bad assumption. Because men, a lot of times, are running from responsibility, and they don't want that because it's responsibility. They don't want it. It's going to be inconvenient. They're going to have to lay their lives down. And I had spent all of my teen years learning how not to do that. And I was getting pretty good at it. And I didn't really want to start doing that. And I thought if I could do this marriage thing and be a Christian and everything and then not have to do that, that would be cool. But Ephesians, I mean, uh, yeah, Ephesians uh, 5.22. Let me get that thing. Um, says, and we've read it, says, Wives, submit to your own husbands. As to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, also, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And I didn't, I, I really didn't like that. You know what I was really missing, though, in that scripture? The part where it says, as to the Lord. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. I, that, I just thought that just sort of, you know, a little, a little bit of language thrown in, a little Bible language that means, sounds more flowery, you know, it's more flowery. It sounds flowery-er. And it's, it just kind of, it sounds like something you should just throw in there as to the Lord. But let's really look at what that means. I mean, I did say earlier that when, when you're dropping into the ramp, you are submitting to something bigger than you. But that thing that's bigger than you is not your husband. You're not submitting to... The thing that's bigger than you is, is God and His design. That's, what, that's, what, that's really what, what happens when you... I mean, that at, the, at its very basic form, that's what be, you know, becoming a Christian is, is saying, well, I'm not God, and this is not my world, and I'm not in charge. And so, submission to your husband is kind of like submission to the brand. I'm not submitting, I'm submitting to the, the laws that are going to keep me going back and forth, and then hopefully... Help me catch air and, and, and smoothly ride the brand. And I'm also submitting to the size of the thing. It's just a, it's a colossal thing. It's a thing bigger than me. It's a thing I can't control. And so I, I don't control. I don't try. I don't vie for it. I can, I can try all I want, but those things aren't going to change. I can't make gravity stop pulling me down. And I can't make the laws of centrifugal force keep me you know, not keep me on the board. I just can't change those things. And if I jump off without a skateboard, I am going to hit the bottom. There's nothing I can do about that. I cannot change that. And so there's a submission to something larger. And I think we, got, we, we get really confused when we think about husbands submitting, uh, wives submitting to their husbands, is we really think in hierarchical terms. And, and I, I, you know, it, I understand that's the way that, that it seems to be written. Paul describes it, but that isn't the whole story. We say God, husband, wife. Okay, that's the order of headship. I get that. But, but here's another thing. Here's a mistake we make. Big, biggest, bigger, normal. Husband, bigger than wife. More important than wife. I think that's a mistake. I think, I, think it's a, I think it's missing. I think it's missing the boat. Because it says, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And it describes the man's headship, which is true. But he's not bigger than you. He's a man. And you're a woman, and together you image God. And he has a different role, and you have a different role. 
And like I said, we can't really, you know, mystify the word. Helper is helper. That's a person who helps. See, because like the wise old skater sitting on the side of the ramp, you have a view that nobody else has. When, when I'm dropping in, I cannot see really what I'm doing. I don't know what that looks like from the side. What if I'm leaning forward too far or leaning back? He would say something like, Bend your knees, man. Quit trying to force it. You know, he always something wise, you know. You can't force nature, you know, something like that. But see, that's what you, that's what you wives can do. It, 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 it's, it's, you have a seat into your husband's life that nobody else has. And sh- nor should anyone have. You have that. You have that role. And you, wa- you can watch him and you can help him. You can help him by encouraging. I remember that guy, when, when my friend slammed, oh, that guy could have laughed and, and said, well, you did that wrong, you know. <laughs> Loser, you know. But he didn't do that. Because he had been there. So he, he was encouraging. You can do it. Get back up there. If you leave now, you'll never do it, man. He didn't want to get back up there. He was in pain. <laughs> you know the old saying, get back on the horse. It's kind of the same thing. If you don't, you're going to have that fear. He would encourage. You encourage your husbands. You warn uh, your husband. Colossians says that we warn each other. We admonish one another. So... You can warn, you're leaning too far forward, man. You're going to fall. You're not, you are believing a lie. That's going to, you have pride. That's going to lead to a fall. Who are, are you believing God in this situation? I'm warning you. That's proper submission, by the way, to do that, to do that. Um, in love and respect is, is, is that's submission he needs help instructing but I thought the Bible said the husbands both teach the wife yeah but it also says in Colossians that we're to teach one another in all wisdom so you can instruct in love and respect your husband that helps him You can. Receiving instruction. Okay, this part's a little bit harder because it's, it, it, usually we want to be the instructor. We don't want to be the one receiving instruction. Especially if you're smarter than your husband. And I do understand that, that there are, I mean, I'm not trying, I'm really not trying to be funny here, but there are, I mean, sometimes, I mean, there are a lot of wives that are smarter than their husbands. They're just smarter. In certain ways, they're just, they're just smarter than their husbands. So they, they might think, well, I cannot. I can't teach the man. I mean, he can't teach me anything. He's smarter than he is. But he's the one that God chose for you to learn from. And you're not smarter than God. You're not smarter than he is. And God didn't make a mistake. He didn't mess up on that. He's got you with that guy. And he wants you to learn from him. See, I could have, I could have done that. That, that. that old guy sitting on this, he didn't look like anything. I could have, what are you talking about? You can't even walk, <laughs> you know. You look like you're about to plop over, you know. You can barely talk. 
Wait, who are you telling me, you know, teach me? But he had things to teach. He had things that would help. Your husband has that. And he has that for you in a way that no one else does. And no one else should. No one else does and no one else should. Yeah, you can learn from other people, and you will. But you won't learn from them like you will from your husband. Because that's the one God chose for you. And God knows what he's doing. Now, I feel like I need to talk. I almost didn't want to even go there and talk about this, but I feel like I should uh, just for a minute. Someone might say, uh, you might be unequally yoked. You might be uh, a woman who's married to a man who doesn't know Jesus. Uh, he doesn't submit to Christ. And that kind of that complicates things a little bit, doesn't it? You might have a quite big question mark. Well, how am I supposed to do that? How do I submit to my husband? He doesn't submit to Christ. That, that, that kind of seems like it messes up the whole thing. Well, it does. It does mess up the whole thing. That's why if you're not married and, and, and you're looking at a guy and he's not submitting to Christ, don't look at him anymore. Don't. But if you are married, Paul, said, Paul doesn't command you to leave your husband. He, say, he doesn't do that. He says, stay. Stay with him. Be his helper and submit to him in whatever way it's within your power to do so. Encourage him, respect him. You may be one of the only pictures of the gospel to him that he gets. You'll definitely be the closest one. You'll be the one he experiences on an intimate level. And Paul even goes on to say, who knows? You might get to participate in my rescuing him. Now, don't try to change him. You can't change a man. You, God does that. But can you be a picture of the gospel and be married to this unbelieving man? Yeah. Paul says you can. Paul tells us that you can do that. He can learn how to be a husband when he becomes a believer just by watching how you submit to him even though he doesn't submit to Christ. And isn't that what Jesus did? I mean, didn't Jesus give, it that, give us that kind of grace? I told you earlier, my wife, she liked me. That was the grace of God because I really was. I was not a big, I was not a good catch. I wasn't a, a, a winner. I was a loser. <laughs> but she, that's the grace of God. Isn't that what Jesus did? He said, while you're still sinners and my, while you hated God, that's when I loved you. You can do that. By the power of the Spirit that's in you, you can do that. Now, I'm not talking about physically abusive relationship where you're getting, I'm not talking about that. And I'm not talking about your husband tells you to sin. You don't do that. But I'm talking about in general. You can do that. And it's hard. But you can do that. Uh, submitting to uh, your husband's leadership respectfully is a way to help him because then it helps him get confidence for future leadership. And guys like to have an air of confidence that isn't real and they sometimes think they need to do that. Maybe they, maybe they should. Maybe they're trying to protect their wife's emotions or something like that. But a lot of times, and, and so... So they have this false confidence. It's really not, they're not as confident as they might look, even to you. So submitting to him respectfully to, to some decisions, even if it wasn't your idea, that can really boost his confidence for, for leading the way he should. Maybe, he's, maybe he, he doesn't want to lead. Maybe he's kind of like, well, I don't want to mess up. Maybe even sometimes, Rebecca does this with me, uh, is she provides opportunities for me to take leadership. 
like, because I haven't thought of it, you know. Oh, I've never thought about leading here. But she doesn't say, come on, dummy, lead. She, and I am being a dummy. She could say that, but, but she doesn't. She provides an opportunity. Kevin, I'd really like to know what you think about this. I would really love to hear your decision on that. That helps him. And don't expect the worst. Oh, I'm going to let you make a decision on this one. Okay. I know it's hard to do because, like I said, you might be smarter than your husband. And, he, and you're going, oh, don't expect the worst. That doesn't help. How do you like, do you like making decisions when someone doesn't think you're going to do well? Go ahead, drop in. You're going to smack the bottom. I just want to watch it. Don't say I told you so when he messes up. And I say when. Well, I knew it. I knew that was going to happen. I told you that was going to happen. Didn't I say that was going to happen? Don't keep an account of wrongs. Don't have like a list in your mind of all the times he's met up, messed up over the past 10 years, you know? The Bible says don't keep an account of wrongs, and so that applies to your husbands. And then pray for your husband. Pray with your husband. And husbands, if they're taking responsibility and leadership, they're going to initiate that prayer. But pray for your husband. Pray for him. Well, what do I pray for? Because here's what a lot of times a wife, I can imagine a wife's uh, prayer might sound something like this. Lord, change him completely. Please. Please make him another man. When I walk in there, let him be, be just different. I don't... Change his heart. You can spiritualize it. Lord, would you change his heart? Change it. Change his, his, make him more holy, please. Okay. You can ask God. I mean, some people need, a man may need his heart softened. But what about praying for him to believe the gospel? Lord, I want my husband to be free, free from worry, free from anxiety. Help him believe that you're in control and that you are good to him. Lord, help me help him. How can I help? How can I be a helper in this? And here's an idea. You might even ask God to change your own heart. We love to pray for other people's hearts, don't we? It's a little different when you ask God to change your own heart because you're pretty sure that a lot of it's pretty good. You might need a little tiny bit of it changed, but most of it's good. It's his heart that's all messed up. <clears throat> pray for him. So... Ladies, when you are, I'm about to close here um, so the team can come on back up. But um, when you're thinking about dropping in, think about submitting to something bigger than yourself. Think about the God who is so in control. He created the universe and then maintains, uh, what's the word, maintain, uh, sustains it instant by instant by his hand. So in control, I mean, we, we, we can't even fathom that. That even when his son, by his will, died and was dead in a tomb, not breathing, no heartbeat, he 
he made him come back to life. That's control. Nobody but God has that control. Nobody. So you can trust that. You might not can trust your husband right now. You can trust that. I hope that you grow to trust your husband. But you can trust God. And you can do that now. You don't have to wait for your husband to change to do that either. You can do it now. You can believe he's in control. And that he loves you, wife. And that he's gracious to you. And he's good to you. I'm going to pray, and then we'll do some worship. We have, we have a couple of tables set up in the back. So Luke may have told you, but I'll just remind you. Um, during, during worship here, what we do is we're going to take some time to respond uh, to the word that we've looked at today. Um, and so you can go back at any time uh, with your family or with a roommate or a friend, or if you're here by yourself, that's fine. Just go back by yourself. And, and we, we take communion and we look at, we think about the body broken and the, the blood spilt. And that way that Jesus uh, submitted with his own life and his own body. Um, and we'll meditate on the word and we'll, we'll respond with prayer, we'll respond with singing. Let's go ahead and stand up right now and get ready to do that. And we'll just uh, let God root this in our hearts.